this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we are compiling an episode of compilations. Like what I did compiling? there? Compiling? Yes, compiling. Okay. What? Is that not a word? <laughs> like, it's very, te- it's, it sounds very technical. Like we're writing the code. Yes, we are. We're going to compile it, we're, deploy it, we're going to deploy it, put it exactly. in production. Exactly. We're doing all those things. We're talking 90s compilations, Jay, and what we're, what we're not talking about are soundtracks, which we've already covered for both TV and movies. We're also not talking about tribute albums, which we've covered a number of tribute albums. People want to go back and listen to those. Twisted Willie re- most recently. We also did the Depeche Mode tribute album, Kiss My Ass, the classic Kiss Regrooved episode. Um, so what we're talking about is actual compilations made by labels or uh, put together in terms of a genre or possibly for a charity or a benefit, something like that. And we don't want to just talk about this ourselves. So of course for a round table, we're going to bring in a, a group of guests to help us discuss all these compilations uh, starting down in uh, well actually everybody's north this one I, I usually have somebody in texas besides jay or in this in the uh, southern part of the united states but we'll go we'll go east to west i guess starting in cambridge mass from wmbr 88.1 you'll find him on twitter at zaxon 25 mr keith sawyer welcome back keith well thanks for having me again it's always a pleasure and i'm looking forward you've commented on our uh, patreon page so we'll be getting to your uh, compilations. I think we're going to cover chronologically every CMJ release starting in January of 1990 <laughs> each month. So that'll be fun. I I stole the CMJ from the uh, from the the radio station, which has kept them all nicely categorized categorized in a row. So oh, nice. That's uh, that's probably a rarity. Those things are uh, yes. Those, those a one cent are- rarity. Yeah, there you go. Those things are easy to find. Uh, it's just probably they're like uh, garbage pail kids now. There's a, there's a lot of some of them, and then some of them are probably pretty hard to find randomly. Uh, joining us from Ann Arbor. Wait, wait a minute. So okay, I got to figure out the geography of who's farther east now. Uh, is Ann Arbor farther east than Jim? You're in Milwaukee. I am. Which one's farther east? Well, that would be Ann Arbor. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to go with Eric then. Second on our on our guest list in the east to west is uh, Mr. Eric Peterson. Welcome back. Eric. Good evening. Good evening. Or whenever you, you're listening to this. Yes, I hope you are donning your dig me out shirt that you recently acquired. Uh, not at the moment, but I can oh. do that. No, you can lie. <laughs> you can. Nobody can see you. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. What can I say? That's right. <laughs> this podcast doesn't have enough clothes changing. Yes. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realize there's a dress requirement. <laughs> yeah, there there is actually. Everybody should have their logo shirt on for this part of the <laughs> for the episode. Uh, you there can will find be a board, 
wardrobe change during the uh, second set, right? Yeah, there you exactly. go. You can find Eric at Love That Album Podcast and uh, also on YouTube doing some booktube and discussing yep. uh, books and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, head on over to there and just, just Google Eric Peterson. You'll find him. And then uh, Farthest West, although it's not really that far west, I guess. Uh, Midwest. Midwest, yeah. Jim Hankey from Vinyl Emergency. You can find him at vinylemergency.com. Uh, welcome back to the show. First one since this John Spencer episode, I believe. Right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I got some uh, good John Spencer memories uh, after seeing Baby Driver the other night. Yes. Because um, the first song in there is a uh, jam from John Spencer Blues Explosion. So, uh, But yeah, thanks so much for inviting me on. This is uh, a topic... Uh, I could certainly go on a, a long, long time about. So um, this this is prime for uh, for me to you know hang out with you guys. Excellent. So uh, what I want to start with with everybody, and I'll and I'll throw it around the room. Is uh, we're talking about compilations. I want to ask everybody: give me one thing that you think makes a good compilation. We did this the last episode. When we talked about guitar gods, I said, everybody give me one qualifier for what makes a guitar god. So in this episode, one thing that makes a good compilation album. I'm going to start with the man I just spoke to. Jim, what is your thing that makes a good compilation? So, and I might be in the minority on this from our guests tonight as well as our listeners, but um, I really like a major band or a couple major bands on a compilation um, performing covers. Um, we'll dig into, I'm sure, some of those this evening, but that, at least in the 90s, um, when compilations were more prevalent, that was something I looked forward to. Um, and those are, you know, Vagrant put out some of those, you know, with uh, uh, bands performing new wave covers. Mm-hmm. Um, there are several just random kind of covers on some of the compilations I jotted down for discussion tonight. But it, it's something like it didn't need to be all covers, certainly, but one or two where I was like, oh, I want to hear that band do that song. And sometimes you're disappointed and sometimes you're not. But um, that is one for me. And it's it's it has to be a band that I'm familiar with um, for me to pick up that compilation, not necessarily, um, you know, a band that was just kind of starting out or maybe tacked onto the compilation later that not a lot of people know about. It had to be a band that I was familiar with, that I was a fan of, and, you know, a song that I would like to hear them do. Um, even if I didn't necessarily recognize the song, there are plenty of songs throughout the 90s that I got turned on to the originals uh, of just because one of my favorite bands covered it. So it sends me, it sends me down the rabbit hole of checking out that original artist and their discography. So, so I would say at least, uh, you know, one to three covers would be nice on a compilation. Okay. That's an interesting approach. I like that because I can think of a couple compilations that I really like, and they have a few covers on them that, especially ones that I wasn't expecting that I really ended up liking. So that's uh that's an interesting way to start off. Eric, give me your uh, one criteria for what makes a good compilation album. A, a cohesive theme, whether it is, uh, all bands from a certain scene or from a certain genre or that are doing um, pay, playing uh, paying homage to a you know with with a cover compilation to a uh, a specific genre as well you know um, 
you know, there, there's something about having a compilation that's just a scattershot of stuff that can be very disjointed. Mm-hmm. So if it if it's all, you know, if it's a label compilation where it's all bands on one label that tend to be, especially with indie labels, be all part of a genre, or if it's all bands from a scene like the, uh, and these are ones I will surely talk about later, the, the Nordic rock scene and the kind of Calgary, Edmonton uh, garage rock scene. Or compilations from both of those that you got bands from the scene that were kind of all playing with each other or tied together. And while they didn't all sound exactly the same, there was a through line. Okay. I like that cohesive theme. Keith, what would be one criteria for your uh, ultimate or uh, uh, reasoning for a good compilation? Well, for, for me in the 90s, it was discovery. It was just a, a way in a really compact way to be able to get exposure to a bunch of different bands that I, you know, I might not necessarily seek out their releases otherwise, but I could get a song from them you know, on a compilation. It might pique my interest or it might just sort of tell me right away, and eh, no need to, to look any further with that particular band. So that's what I always look for was a, a good, healthy amount of bands that maybe I'd heard of before, but I, I wanted to discover or learn a little bit more about. Cool. So we've got some covers got a cohesive theme discovery jay do you have anything you want to add to what makes a good comp uh i think it's good to have a little exclusivity on there right you don't want to have a bunch of tracks that appeared on other albums yes uh completely you want to have at least one or two if not more that you can't get anywhere else makes it special Right, yeah. The and worst thing purpose. is, yeah, a, a compilation of all songs that you're complete that you you already have access to on albums that would, which I'm sure some labels did when they were just like showcasing whatever bands that they had. But uh, yeah, the way to go is the exclusivity. Good, good one there. So that's along with discovery, cohesiveness, and the and the covers. I don't really have a a, four, a fifth one. You guys kind of covered everything that I. I, I was going to that was the uh, risk you took. Yeah, I know. Way to go. I always put myself last, and I always have the risk of uh, not having anything left to say. So, okay, excellent. We've got our criteria for what makes a good compilation. So, let's talk about some of them. Um, the ones that people probably are going to know from from what I see available in used CD bins. <laughs> Are ones like the No Alternative Comp, uh, which has a bunch of bands that everybody knows. Uh, It has the covers. Soul Asylum covering Marvin Gaye's Sexual Healing is probably uh, the more well-known one. And then I think there's also the Goo Goo Dolls cover of uh, the Rolling Stones' Bitch on there with the incredible Lance Diamond singing lead vocal for that one. And the other one would be like the DGC Rarities uh, is another one that's always around for people to pick up for 50 cents at their local half price books. So let's talk about some ones that maybe are specific to you guys that you think are uh, excellent comps that people should check out if they haven't checked them out. Um, I'm going to start in the middle this time, Eric, what is a comp that you think people need to check out from the nineties and tell us why. So there, uh, I mentioned a couple of scenes earlier, and mm-hmm. we're just going to start with the big one for me, which is the uh, the Nordic rock scene, which 
really was the international high energy rock and roll scene that encompassed bands from mainly the US, Canada, Australia, and then the Nordic countries, which are Finland, Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. Uh, the band that most of you guys are going to know from, from that scene is going to be the Helicopters, followed by Glucifer and the Flaming Sideburns and Turbo Negro. And there were a couple of comps that came out of that scene that, that focused on a lot of bands. Um, there was a label comp from, uh, of course, I'm totally bad Afro records out of Denmark that was pushing Scandinavian rock to the man. And then there was uh, Swedish Sins 97 and 99. But I'm going to go with Spain's Safety Pin Records, Riot on the Rocks, Volume 1, which has got 27 tracks on it. It's got the helicopters. It's got Glucifer. It's got Flaming Sideburns. It's got um, Bombshell Rocks. It's got Misdemeanor. It's got my favorite band from that era and scene, the Ultra Bimbos. It's got the Laundrettes, who are uh, involved with the little Steven Underground garage thing. Uh, it's, it's a lot of punk, um, high-energy rock bands from mainly Finland, uh, Sweden, and Norway. And to me, that's one that's a really good uh, intro into that scene. You get the bigger bands. Uh, you want to you, you cover. There's Chinese Takeaway covering The Damned on there. Um, so it, it's, it's just a great compilation. It's, it's extremely listenable. You're going to find some bands that don't do it for you. It's, it goes from power pop to kind of um, stoner rock with punk, uh, high-energy rock and roll, uh, some girl group stuff, uh, some – you know, retro garage stuff, all of that kind of kind of music is on this compilation. And uh, if you're a rock fan at all, and if you're an alternative fan at all, you're going to find something on it that you like. How many songs are on there? 27. Is that one CD? <laughs> it is. So those are wow. short songs. For the most part. I don't think there's anything over three or four minutes. So I like it. Get in, get out. That's yeah, well, you know, speaking of which, I'm just going to throw this one in there real quick. There was the compilation Short Music for Short People, which had uh, 99 <laughs> tracks on it. Yep. And they were all under 30 seconds in length, and it came out in 1999. And it's all punk stuff. But yeah. that's the ultimate get in, get out one. <laughs> they even um, they even crammed two hidden tracks into track 99. Yep. So it's like 101 bands on one and, CD of 99 yeah, tracks. It's insane. And it's it's the whole range of punk. Everyone from classic punk bands like The Damned and DOA, right on up to uh, the then current, you know, Rancid and Groovy Ghoulies, Green Day. But anyways, the uh, yeah, the high energy stuff. Um, that's kind of my my big area of interest from that from the, especially the end of the '90s and into the 2000s. And that Ride on the Rocks Volume One is is the is the gateway I would hand anybody. Uh, one word of warning: the uh, the cover is not safe for work. <laughs> okay, that's a good warning. Is it available online? Can you can you uh, 
Um, I don't know about online, but I mean it's on Discog, so you can take a look and see what's on on it, and you okay. can you can probably find uh, at least you know forty, fifty, sixty percent of the tracks on Spotify or looking on YouTube or whatever. Gotcha. Okay, Keith, tell us one of your picks for a favorite comp from the nineties. Well, if I was to take inspiration from that, because I agree, I, I love. Sweden, Finland, the Nordic area, the just the production, the sounds, they, they do such a great job. But if I go totally to the other side of the meter and just pick this the sweetest, most gooey indie pop, there was a uh, compilation which came out in 1999, so just under the wire, called The Sound of Young Sweden on Summer Sound Records that had, it's a 14-tracker, it has the concretes on it that's probably one of the better known ones in America, but it, it really uh, exposed to me some bands that had not gotten distrib- distribution in the U.S., like Edson, who are just, you know, amazing, amazing band. Leslie's are on there. Uh, Club 8 is on there, if people remember them. Happy Dead Men was another one that was a huge, huge discovery for me. And these are all, I mean, I, I look at sort of the late 90s to the early 2000s as like the epitome of sort of that seek sweet sickly indie pop sound and sweden you know nobody did it better than sweden oh nobody did it better huh (laughs) (laughs) all right well we'll we'll say that for another show we can debate that um absolutely i'd love (laughs) to debate that uh jim what's your pick for a comp from the 90s so mine you know i'm gonna kind of go mainstream uh on on everybody because i i'm not as uh hip to all the stuff from sweden and and the and the nordic and and all that stuff um i i am gonna go with with no alternative uh which you had mentioned earlier which probably is uh as you mentioned one of the you know biggest most known compilations in the 90s but yep. I, I feel the the reason for that is because it is it, it kind of when you sent out the request for all of us to join the, the conversation here tonight, it kind of touched on all those levels of like what makes a great compilation, what is kind of like a snapshot in time of a certain era. Um, no alternative does that for me. And for those who, who might not know what it is, uh, it was a compilation um, that came out uh, in 1993 to benefit the uh, Red Hot organization, which was an AIDS uh, relief organization. And they've had a lot of compilations over the years uh, with different genres, uh, jazz. Um, there was an indie rock one in 2009 called Dark Was the Night, with ha- has, which has you know people like The National, Iron and Wine, Sufjan Stevens, you know, a b- bunch of that crew. Um, so, so this compilation, 1993, just going through this track list and talking about the 90s and 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 where these bands were in their career and that sort of thing. Um, Matthew Sweet kicks off the album. He's one of my favorite, you know, guitar pop heroes basically uh buffalo tom uh, a band that got on pretty much every compilation you can think of in the 90s <laughs> um and 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 uh good for them because i mean they're, they're one of my favorite bands um but it's it's nice for this song for all to see which is really a great song could have been on any one of their albums um you know it's it's a really great track um people slag the soul asylum cover of sexual healing um i i just think it's kind of fun um i like it yeah, it's not. It's you know. I, I think a lot of people slag Soul Asylum unfairly. I certainly don't. Can you know? I don't hold them in the same light that I hold a band like Pearl Jam. But 
you know, they, they meant a lot to me during that time. And, mm-hmm. um, I think, I think some of their records, not all of their songs, but I think some of their records hold up, um, you know, urge overkill American music club, uh, Goo Goo dolls with the Rolling Stones cover, as you mentioned, and they don't even sing that they have Lance diamond come in and sing that for him. Yes. Pavement, Pavement has a song about REM, like this goofy, like dirge song about REM. And then right after that, though, you've got Smashing Pumpkins and Bob Mould with two like absolutely beautiful tracks. Even right after that, Sarah McLachlan with Hold On. Um, that's three like really, really pretty you know songs all in a row. Um, the Beastie Boys, there's another cover on this. Uncle Tupelo does uh, CCR's Effigy, which is fantastic. That's the, the whole mm-hmm. reason I even – I was a CCR fan at that point, but that's the whole reason I even knew Effigy was a CCR song. Beastie Boys and Breeders have some live tracks on it. Of course, there was the uh, hidden track of Verse, Chorus, Verse from uh, Nirvana, uh, which went on to get radio play and stuff when the CD came out. Even the bands that you don't really know today, like Straight Jacket Fits and The Verlaines, these are two incredible, incredible songs that are some of my favorites on on the album uh, from bands who I didn't really follow all that much after this compilation, but two really standout tracks. Uh, and in 2013, it was reissued. It was pressed to vinyl for the very first time for Record Store Day. And being a vinyl uh, geek, um, that hit all my buttons, basically. Because I was super, super excited to get this and was was actually kind of nervous about potentially not getting it. Because it is pretty much my favorite 90s compilation. And to have it on vinyl uh, was really cool. What I, what I would have liked to have seen was a kind of a, a, re, a reissue, for lack of a better term, of donating proceeds to the Red Hot organization again. I, I don't know legally, um, you know, for the label that went and repressed this, I don't know what they had to jump through in order to, you know, again, like to repress on vinyl and you've got all these bands. I have no idea who holds the rights to all those songs, whether those bands hold them individually. I have no idea. But I would have liked to have seen like a public statement Along, you know, with all the records, uh, all the records on Record Store Day, with all that information, maybe something in there being like, oh, and because it's a 20th anniversary of this record, we're also going to be giving a, a, a portion or some of the proceeds made off this vinyl um, to the Red Hot organization. But, um, you know, they, if, if they did that, it wasn't made public. But that's pretty much my my go to 90s compilation. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's the one where a, a lot of people who listen to this show and are familiar with any compilations are going to, that's going to be the one that they, they know because it had just so many huge artists on it that were so uh, important and relevant to the nineties. Jay, do you have a pick for a compilation that you liked from the nineties? 
Um, I'm going to pick some oddball material here, and it's mostly just for the time capsule quality of it. Um, mm. For whatever reason, I wasn't a huge fan of the compilations that weren't from a soundtrack or from a artist tribute. So when you narrow it down to that, <clears throat> I, for whatever reason, didn't, I don't know, I wasn't attracted to a lot of these records. But in the early 90s, um, when I was uh, of little funds, there was a lot of like cassette samplers around that you could get. And it was at that time kind of the only way to learn about new music um, other than maybe MTV um, and zines. So I remember Coca-Cola did all of these. And they might still, I don't know, they might have done it all throughout the 90s. They were doing these partnerships with Sony um, and they would put together these compilations, uh, cassettes. And I don't remember if you had a like, send in like a can tops or something to get the <laughs> tapes. But um, I did get volume one and two of rock and they only had one volume of alternative. So I think the thing that's just interesting about it is to look at. Uh, so Sony at the time was Columbia and Epic uh, and kind of looking at what their rosters were like in 1991 for rock and uh, alternative. So I'll just give you a sampling of volume one. You've got artists like Chris Whitley, um, you've got people never to be heard of again, like Tommy Conwell and the young rumblers <laughs> hey, hey, uh, hey. on side two, you've got the new iron maiden song and, uh, the new motorhead. And then right in the middle of that, you got Pearl jam alive <laughs> and that's followed up with uh, dangerous toys in Europe. <laughs> so to kind of put wow. yourself in a, drop yourself in the, in the time capsule of 1991, that is what Sony was investing in. Um, and you kind of go through the others. You have everything from Henry Lee Summer, which was on volume two, to the new Bruce Dickinson, his first solo song, to the band Burning Tree, which was kind of a pretty cool, like alternative uh, blues band. And then when you go no to Danger, Danger, or Enough is Enough on there? <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, you go to the alternative, and it's Toad the Wet Sprocket, um, Sean Colvin, Screaming Trees. Uh, a band we're going to review here soon, Mind Funk. So, yes, some some pretty interesting uh, contrast there in 1991. Just before I think alternative music had really kicked the door down, um, you can kind of see some of these major labels just by looking at some of these compilations and samplers of uh, where they were putting their money, their marketing dollars, and what bands they were investing in, and in some cases trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Wow. Well. That was an interesting pick, Jay. I did not know that Coca-Cola was uh, so big in the compilation game. Neat. Um, one I wanted to mention is the Emo Diaries. Uh, these started in 1997. They were put out by Deep Elm Records. They actually did 12 of them between 97 and 2011. Obviously, I'm mostly concerned with the ones that came out in the 90s. Uh, they each had their own individual titles. The first one is called What's Mine is Yours. And it's led off by a Jimmy World track. There's a lot of interesting bands in here that I'd never heard of. Uh, and then it's also paired with bands that I didn't think were necessarily emo. Like the first compilation has a triple fast action song. I didn't really think of triple fast action as being emo. But I guess for the because they were on Deep Elm for their second record, I guess they got... You know, added to the um, compilation. Other bands that people might have, Sam I Am is on there, and Jejun 
is on there. Mm-hmm. And then there's some other bands that I'd never heard of that put out their really cool songs on here, like Red Level and um, Camber and Lazy Kane. Um, you know, a lot of these bands, some of them don't even have Wikipedia pages. I mean, they, they might have, this might have been their only song <laughs> for all I know is, is that it was on this one particular emo compilation. But um, this would fall under the, uh, you know, a genre um, comp. And um, it gives you a pretty wide swath of what is considered emo. Uh, you know, you have your sort of slow burning, uh, slower tunes. And then, you know, with Sam I Am and some of the other songs, even the Triple Fast Action songs, they're much more high energy. And um, the second compilation gets into stuff like Branston and the Appleseed cast and the Jazz June, uh, along with a lot of bands that, again, never heard of them after the uh, the compilations came out. And then the third one gets into, like, Planes Mistaken for Stars, Sweep the Leg Johnny. And that's about it as far as people what, what people might know. Um, that's where I felt like the, the third one gets a little weaker, but the first two are really strong, and the first one especially is a really cool uh, look at emo just before it kind of explodes in what the early late nineties, early aughts emo kind of morphed into with the, uh, the mall emo or the, whatever you want to call those bands in the early two thousands. Um, refer back to our emo episode for the specifics on that. So what I want to talk to you guys or, or get your opinions on is, um, compilations are great time capsules for that period, especially with the genres, which, you know, with the ride on the rocks, the sound of young Sweden and the ones that Jay mentioned that they're really pinned to a specific time. Um, are compilations relevant now in the same way? I know that, you know, there's still labels and, and there's still compilations coming out, but it seems like with the advent of, of online uh, music playlists at Spotify and Apple Music, and then with uh, people being able to make their own playlists on their iPhone or whatever they use for this music, doesn't seem like holds the same uh, weight that it used to. I'm um, just curious about what you guys think about that. I'm throw it out for anybody to uh, to comment on that has a uh, any comments to make on it. Yeah, well, at least I know from the radio station, we we rarely get them anymore. And uh, usually they're either uh, tribute comps, those still go around because I think it's it's pretty easy for a website to to pull together a tribute comp. Or it's something backward looking. It'll be, you know, a focus on a particular period of time. Like I'm really enjoying uh, Cherry Red has been doing these compilations, C86, off of C86, like C87, C88 just looking at specific periods of time. But as far as like comps, the way that they used to come out, especially label samplers, or like you said, focuses on a current genre, you really don't see them anymore. And I'm, you know, I think in today's day and age, if I'm a kid, you know, a 16 year old kid who wants to find out more about emo, I've got Spotify to do that. I think you're right. I think that you have uh, labels like sour jazz out of Europe who are doing, uh, you know, retroactively looking at scenes like, you know, they'll do L.A. Punk 77 to 83 or something like that. Otherwise, 
what do we see? Like the uncut magazine still comes with a comp of some kind, maybe. Yeah, Mojo does as well. Yeah, but I mean, who knows? I, I think maybe also uh, Warp Tour might put out a comp every year for the bands on the tour, but I'm, it's been a while since I've seen a, a recent one. So aside from that, you know, you're right. It's either going to be retro stuff or, uh, you know, I could see some scenes where kids want to put out or people want to put out a, uh, a vinyl comp or a cassette comp just to do it. But there's no mass marketing to that. I think they're very genre specific and niche. Yeah, the, the ease of releasing singles now digitally and then the advent of the playlist have, have made them almost uh, completely non-viable. Other than the couple of the edge cases you guys just mentioned where maybe the medium itself or the packaging is obviously so such a part of the story, but... You can release singles and then comp, you know put together playlists that set the context. It's it's tough to make a case for them anymore. Yeah, um, at least from my angle uh, with vinyl, um, uh, Wax Mage Records, which is kind of this small division of um, Gotta Groove out in Cleveland. Um, the the ladies who who run um, Wax Mage have been on uh, my podcast talking about you know the varied, um, really beautiful uh, hand pressed records that they make. And they made a compilation uh, for vinyl only um, called Heavy Haze last year. And that primarily uh, was twofold. One, it, it showcased a lot of Cleveland area, Ohio bands uh, that they liked. But also it was basically like an advertisement for the vinyl pressing that they do because it came out on this very random uh, splattered colored vinyl. Um, they did a very, very limited run, sold out very quickly. So, you know, aside from the copies that went to the band, that's now kind of like a you know, like a Discogs type item, you know, to, to snag if you want it. So there is something I think with the, with the vinyl aspect where you could, you know, do a, a very limited record store day run or even like 500 or something, if it's not on record store day and still have the, um, the, the need or the drive of people to hear it, uh, go up because it's going to be this limited vinyl pressing, but, uh, agreed. I mean, the, the digital market has kind of squashed any, real need uh, for people to have these specific songs in one specific place when, when people can make their own playlists and basically make their own compilations uh, so easily. Now um, that would be, it, it's just kind of gone the way of the way of the Buffalo, so to speak um, for, for me specifically um, there's going to be a, a vinyl press of this uh, John Prine tribute record that came out in 2010 uh, features Connor Oberst, My Morning Jacket, Justin Vernon, um, Justin Towns Earl, um, a lot of great bands, Sarah Watkins. Um, and that just had kind of like a celebration uh, the other night in, in Nashville where these, you know, they have a house band and a bunch of these singers are going to come sing a bunch of John Prine songs. It was a big deal kind of announcing that they were going to, you know, press this thing to vinyl. That for me, the tribute album thing is still a really big thing, um, especially for somebody like John Prine. Um, so for me, if I'm going to seek out a compilation, I do feel that it needs to be a tribute compilation through and through or something of that nature, uh, a covers album, something like that. Uh, ben Gibbard just did. It's not a compilation, but Ben Gibbard just released um, through Turntable Kitchen, I believe, um, this tribute to Bandwagon Ask from Teenage Fan Club, which is, uh, uh, from what I've heard, really good. Um, that kind of stuff uh, really intrigues me as far as the tribute album 
uh, goes. That that stuff I would seek out, but I, I definitely don't seek out any scene or uh, those kind of compilations. Soundtracks don't really do that much anymore. Um, again, as, uh, unless there's some sort of kind of wild vinyl pressing associated with it. So were there any compilations that you guys went back to listen to in preparation for this that maybe were a genre compilation that was full of a bunch of bands you weren't familiar with or maybe it was a a, a lesser known comp and you went back and listened to it and thought uh wow this did not stand up <laughs> or <laughs> There is there is stuff on here that I I liked years ago, but now when I listen to it, I can it really does not sound good to me anymore. Were there any ones that uh, that stood out had like a sore thumb, sore thumb, so to speak? Yeah, I, I know, went I, back and and definitely listened to some things. There there was one comp, and I think it's the the ubiquitous rave comp of the time called Rave Till Dawn. That was in college, just like such a huge presence in our house because it, it turned into the de facto workout mix, you know, where you could hear it pretty much every day. And the songs were just sort of seared in my head. And, you know, I have that definite nostalgic feel for them. And I probably haven't listened to it in 20 years. And I pulled it back out, listened to it the other day. And I was like, eh, these songs kind of kitschy, kind of weak. I still really like them though. But uh, I, I don't know if I'd be able to, to make it through another another spin of it. Anybody else? Um, I was going to throw out, I haven't listened to it, but it, you know, one that I think I liked quite a bit in high school and now probably couldn't make it all the way through would be, and, and this isn't really a soundtrack because, I mean, I, I don't think these songs were used in the, in the television show, but uh, the Beavis and Butthead Experience uh, compilation. Yeah. So this was... Um, uh, like again, another Nirvana song. Uh, I hate myself and want to die um, is the first track on it. But uh, he, may, you know, I, I am not a big Anthrax, Megadeth, um, Jackal, Jackals on this, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. I'm, I'm, I'm not really into any of those bands. There's a couple throwaway uh, hip hop tracks with Sir Mix-a-Lot and Run DMC. I used to be a big Aerosmith fan when I was a lot younger, um, so maybe I was really into this Aerosmith song. But in general, I remember that was one that you know I would play quite a bit in my in my Walkman um, to and from school. But I think now would probably be uh, you know not if they repress it on vinyl. I, I I guess I would say I wouldn't run and go buy it. Anybody go back and listen to the Jock Jams? <laughs> <laughs> Never listened to yeah. it at the time. Don't listen to it now. Yeah, that Rafe Till Dawn has uh, has Get Ready for This by Two Unlimited on there, which uh, just <laughs> automatically makes me think of uh, you know cheerleading movies. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's also yeah, that's on a lot of compilations uh, yeah. that are sports related uh, in some way or another. The ones that I I went back and and tried to listen to a little bit were um, the MTV's Amped which were like their dance music, uh, you know, techno, electronica compilations. Those did not stand up for me as well as uh, I was kind of hoping, because I like a lot of the bands, um, but a lot of it was like, there was quite a bit that was like material by, or, or some, not a lot of it, some of it was material that was we were already familiar with because it was like on albums. 
So like you have the first MTV amp, which came out in 97 and it has like block rock and beach. Like, okay, well that was a huge single. Why do you need to put this on a compilation? Um, and then there's other stuff on there. There's like by bands that are much less well-known, at least to, for most people like tranquility Base or uh fluke that are not necessarily going to be huge compared to the chemical brothers. And then it puts like, you know, crystal message, crystal methods busy child on there i'm like again this was a, a massive single like we don't need to have that particular song on this record and um just listening back to yeah, those, i think the mtv comps tended to do that too yeah. they, would, they would try and pick a few really big hits to, to lure you in yeah yeah and the second one had the same thing it was uh like they had the battle flag by low fidelity all-stars which was big and then Rockefeller skank by uh Fatboy Slim along with um stuff that was much less well known, whether it was uh pitch shifter or um propeller heads or something. So those those one I, I felt like faltered because they this the songs are too ubiquitous now in terms of they're already associated with that genre and they didn't really bring anything new to the to the sound or to the um to the genre that they're supposed to be representing so let's talk about uh everybody go around and i'll i'll throw out uh mine here but um pick a song from one of your comps that uh you would say you know this is this would have been worthy of an album track by a band in terms of uh you know it was released on these uh these compilations it gets stuck on a on a comp and maybe people didn't get a chance to hear it, but really this is just as good as anything that uh was put out by these uh by these bands. And that one that I'll mention is um uh on the DGC Rarities Volume One. There's never been a volume two, still waiting on that. Uh <laughs> there's a song by the Counting Crows called Einstein on the Beach for an Eggman. Um yeah. To me, that's probably as good as anything on their second record. They had so many hits off the first record. I'm not going to debate that. Um, but this came out in uh, 94. So I'm guessing this is like in between the two records. When did the first right. Counting Crows record come out? 93? 93, yeah. Yeah. So this is in between uh, August and Everything After and and uh, Recovering the Satellites. But I, that that song to me, listening back to it, like it's so good. And the fact that it's stuck on a compilation, like halfway through a compilation record that has a lot of good stuff on it mind you um i'm just shocked that that's on there and that they didn't even bother to include it um, and that would have been my pick oh sorry sorry to steal that's that. okay 
He gets to go first this time. Uh, do you need time for your second option, or do you want to go with? No, your... I, I got, I got, I got, a, I got a cheat for the second option. So. <laughs> okay, go right ahead. What's your second uh, pick there? State of Love and Trust from the single soundtrack by Pearl Jam. Ooh, good call. You cannot pick that. That is a <laughs> that is a movie soundtrack, and we have negated. I realize that. We have negated. Okay. Well, I I stole your first pick, so no, that that's that's okay. Um, but <laughs> as, as long as we're as long as we're gonna gonna throw soundtracks out, I just uh, you know, State of Love and Trust is is a killer song. But um, so what else would I go with? Okay, there's a compilation called Punk Rock Jukebox, which is '90s current punk bands covering classic punk songs. Okay, and there's a band band in there called the Goops, who were a kind of power poppy. Uh, punk band and they do a cover of stiff little fingers barbed wire love that was easily as good if not better than anything else they they ever put out all right glad you were able to uh bail that one out there and uh (laughs) uh jim what is your pick for a song on a compilation that uh deserves to be unearthed once again and is worthy of included on an being included on an album Sure. Well, um, I am going to go back to DGC rarities, um, and not pick counting crows. Uh, but I mean, that's a, that's a big one. That would have been one I would have mentioned at least in, you know, the top three or so. Um, but I'm actually going to pick, uh, Jamie from Weezer uh, off this, this album, because I mean, this song feels it had to be recorded along with everything on the blue album. It sounds exactly like everything on the blue album. Um, and this was a, for Weezer, I'm not a, to be honest, like the first two Weezer albums do it for me. I, I followed the band a little bit after with Maladroit and the Green Album, but pretty much fell off after that. And and this is just like, um, you know, this one and then Suzanne, uh, which is not on this, but Suzanne would be another one. I think that's probably on the Mallrat soundtrack. But Yes, it is. Um, yeah, but uh, Jamie here is like classic Weezer to AT. I mean, this is a song that um, you're, you're gigantic – cult-like Weezer fans uh, love to death. Um, and, and I do too. It's a, it's a great Weezer song. And uh, that would be one where uh, it, it deserved to be, you know, on the blue album. If they're going to add another song, this would have been it. Um, one thing I will say uh, on the vinyl side for this DGC rarities thing, uh, it's actually, so DGC rarities as we know it in America has not been pressed to vinyl ever. However, um, it is on vinyl in Europe uh, under the name Geffen Rarities, and there's a different track list uh, between the two. So the DGC Rarities in America has Teenage Fan Club, and it has the Sundays. And on the European side for Geffen Rarities, those two bands are out, and it replaces it with um, Urge Overkill and Maria McKee. Um, so that's just interesting. As a vinyl collector myself, I, I you know, really wanted to know if there was a, a, a pressing of DGC Rarities, and there wasn't, but. I've got pretty much all the tracks aside from, you know, Teenage Fan Club and the Sundays um, on this LP version. But it's it's weird to look at a compilation album that you've known, you know, since your high school days and like see the cover change just slightly. It just always looks weird to me because it's a it's the Geffen logo and not the G- DGC logo. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a great compilation. I mean, that this thing, it's probably easily in my top five of the 90s for sure. Keith. What's your song? Uh, there's, there's two I could go for, but I think the the more recognizable one. You know, we had talked about no alternative a little bit earlier. The other red hot indie rock one was Red Hot and Bothered, 
And one thing I really liked about Red Hot and Bothered is it did some team ups in there. So, you know, you had like Lois along with the Spinanes and, you know, they did that one song and that was it. That was the only place you could get it. But there's the uh, the Deal Sisters with Guided by Voices uh, doing Sensational Gravity Boy under the name of Freedom Cruise is what they called their band. And it's, I mean, it's just as good as any peak breeders or guided by voices song of that era. You know, it clocks in at just under two minutes and it's just so like goddamn sweet yet catchy. And it's like, I, I wish they had just stuck in and even made an EP out of this. You know, they certainly, they had to have uh, more than just this one song, but uh, nope, that's it. Hmm. Jay, you have a pick? Yeah. Uh, I think the the track uh, Summer of Drugs by Soul Asylum. Actually, I, I have two Soul Asylum songs. I think uh, their um, cover, Sexual Healing, is actually pretty brilliant. Um, I think that would have been a fun song to put on like as an album ender uh, somewhere uh, later on. But I think Summer of Drugs could have been... In, between 93 and 95 when they're working on their follow-up to Grave Dangerous Union could have been a hit for them on the radio. I think that yeah. song could have done really well and could have carried them over um, to, to the next record. So I know they put it on their best of uh, later greatest hits or, or however it's phrased, but uh, I think that could have been an album track for sure. Yeah, no, that, w- that would have been my number two, I think, for sure. It's such a great song. And then... I want to mention because it was brought up in our um, uh, comments on on Patreon. That's what I'm searching for. The um, <laughs> Schoolhouse Rocks comp uh, that was brought up by a couple people, and then the also the um, Saturday morning the Saturday cartoon. Morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That that was a good one. I think that was superior to the to the Schoolhouse Rocks one. The Schoolhouse Rocks does have a couple of a couple of you know bright stars on it, like Ween is on it and Lemonheads. But that that Saturday morning one is actually still holds up. And just so uh, people who don't know, it came out in um, what year did it come out? Ninety five, and it's covering a l- bunch of kids shows from like the 60s and 70s so it's not like stuff you're gonna it's not the smurfs um it's got like it's speed racer and underdog and scooby-doo and uh johnny quest um and you have a lot of i mean this is this is smack dab you know all the 90s bands that you're expecting liz fair material issue sponge semi-sonic Matthew Sweet, Juliana Hatfield, uh, Collective Soul, Helmet is doing Gigantor. That's I mean, a great track. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the the one with the um, I got a hold on. I got a question for you. So yeah. the Ramones are doing Spider Man, the theme for Spider Man on there. The Ramones were featured in the recent Spider Man movie, so I'm wondering why they went with uh, Blitzkrieg Bop and not the Spider Man theme song cover. Mm. Would that have been two on the nose? I think that would be two yeah. on the nose. Yeah. I think they should have done it. I think they should have just slipped it in there somewhere. I think they could have done it at the end. Like, over yeah, there the credits. you go. Yeah. Like, I know they use it in the actual movie, but like at the end of the movie, when you're rolling the credits and you're showing your, you know, ridiculous post credit scenes, mm-hmm. uh, you could have probably snuck it in there. I did like their use of the orchestral Spider- Spider-Man 
that was actual nice. theme. I thought they, they did a good job integrating that uh, without it being too obvious. I mean, you could you could hear it, but they they adjusted it enough so that it was a bit more grand than uh, just the um, melody everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So I did want to mention uh, thank you to Tara McCook. She mentioned the um, compilation Who Needs Pants When You've Got a Nice Hat uh, came out in... Um, Where's my? Oh, there it is. Ninety four, November ninety four. Uh, it was a compilation featuring bands such as Dada, Over the Rhine, uh, Single Gun Theory, Paladinos. Need to say thanks to Bradley Mellenbacher, our latest uh, subscriber at the two fifty level. He mentioned the Saturday Morning Cartoon uh, album. Um, he said super fun record with the, some really good performances. And then uh, Darren Leach. Said uh, so many great compilations with rare tracks. Um, annoying, I couldn't afford to buy them all uh, just for the one or two tracks that I liked. For example, Crazy Mary on uh, the Pearl Jam, the Pearl Jam song on uh, the Sweet Relief. Uh, again, you know, in terms of Pearl Jam, I believe that was like that ended up being a single that got played on the radio uh, from a compilation in the same way that like Yellow Ledbetter was a B side and that got played on the radio. Yeah, uh, Pearl Jam pretty much could just like uh, record anything, and it was going to get turned into a radio single in uh, right. between '91 and '93, I think. So, and they still do, and they still do Crazy Mary live to this day. Like it is a big like when they start it, um, crowds go nuts. So it's it's one of those like if you're a diehard Pearl Jam fan and didn't just follow the radio singles, um, you know about this song, and they they still play it um, some you know twenty plus years later. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy Mary, as a matter of fact. That is Crazy Mary. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> All right. Well, we are literally about to hit the uh, one hour mark here. So I think this is probably a good time for us to uh, wrap up. We've covered what our, we picked for our favorite comps, our, our favorite songs off those comps. We talked about uh, what are what makes a good compilation and... Um, why compilations are kind of going the way of the dodo in a lot of ways in terms of uh you're not seeing as many of them anymore especially these uh uh genre specific ones or label specific ones uh we didn't even get touch on uh really that much the there were ones that were put out by magazines like cmj the college music magazine and uh yeah there's another one called um mmqb monday morning quarterback had a uh similar you know, tracking college radio and uh, they yeah, had like count- indigestion, I think was the name of the alternative press ones. Yep. And, um, there was a lot of, of, a lot of magazines had them too. Especially like regional, regional papers and entertainment and magazines. And yep. I had a, going through my CDs. I have like three or four that are just like ones from Northeast Ohio. And it's like scene magazine did a partnership with Best Buy um, and then we've got, uh, as the web started to emerge, I have a couple that are from like, you know, music websites that started in like the late nineties. And it's, uh, I think the tough thing for this was a lot of this stuff is just impossible to find. I mean, is if you don't have the CD still, you're probably not going to be able to hear it unless you go find a used copy. Right. Yeah. I mean, because they have that lack of cohesiveness, they just end up being pretty much, you know, com- completely uh, dispensable. 
Yeah, so like you said, uh, if you were trying to complete your alternative press collection, it'd probably be pretty difficult to do. <laughs> Even one as big as no alternative. I mean, the when you go try to stream it, like depending on the service you're using, yeah, you know, half the album is grayed out. You can't play it. Yeah. So. Yeah, the other the the uh, other frustrating thing with the yeah the streaming services that you because of rights issues you're gonna lose songs off of these comps. Uh, I think the DGC one was the only one where I found where it was not um, you know affected in some way by that. I think the entire DGC album is up on Spotify, but you know, alternative one is like half, mm. which is mm-hmm. frustrating. So, all right, let's uh, let's put a bow on this and say thank you to our guests, uh, Keith, Jim, and Eric. Guys, thanks for uh, stopping by once again and sharing all of your uh, compilation knowledge with us. And uh, fun as always. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime, man. And everybody, check out show notes. Everybody's listening. Uh, you'll have links to all of their various activities. Uh, their uh, things on the web and the, where they tweet at on the, on the Twitter, and you can follow all of them. And uh, as mentioned, you can leave comments on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash dig me out. You can also, of course, hit the social medias. And um, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash digmeout and become a monthly subscriber. Or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com.